Today's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. All right. There's a lot of great things that happened today. And uh, it just makes me so happy. And now we get to the sermon, okay? Um, but uh, let's get into it. And I hope you enjoy this message, um, which I've entitled, The Shocking Doctrine of the Incarnation. The Shocking Doctrine of the Incarnation. Part one, fully God, yet truly human. Fully God, yet truly human. Part two, the incarnation is forever. <laughs> Incarnation is forever. And part three, no higher vision and destiny of humanity. Okay? Let's go to part one. Fully God, yet truly human. Um, let me just start right here. If you grew up inside of the church, you know this teaching that there's this person named Jesus. He's the son of God. Somehow, mysteriously, he's the second person of the Holy Trinity. He's the Son of God, which also makes him truly God, because there's a strange doctrine that there's three persons, yet one God. And the second person of the Holy Trinity, fully God, became fully human. Now, I heard this when I was a kid. Of course, I didn't really understand it, but okay. Jesus is God. He's also somehow truly man. I don't really understand it. We'll just accept it because it's a God thing, okay? And if you grew up inside the church, this is a basic teaching. And every year at this time of year, Christmas, this is what we're proclaiming, okay? And what I want to start off with saying is if you grow up inside the church, it sounds like this easy thing. And it sounds like a super basic thing. But today what I want to try to do is I want to help you try to take hear this message not like when you were five years old or 12 years old, 
when you grew up inside the church. I want you to try to have a sense of how people around the whole world you know, hear, this, hear this idea that Almighty God became truly human. That doctrine is called the Incarnation. And around the whole world, the basic idea of this is that it is outrageous. <laughs> and let me just put it a little bit more simply. Um, if a lot of other religions actually listen to this, when they actually go, that, that's what you're actually teaching, huh? <laughs> you know what they think? They think, well, that's really the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> it actually gets worse than that. There are religions who straight up find it deeply offensive. Um, and why most Jews and Muslims cannot believe in Christianity, it's this, this doctrine right here. It's Christmas. <laughs> they come into the West, they see the Christmas tree, <laughs> they hear all the music, and, go, and it's lovely. But actually, beneath their breath, they think this idea that he who is utterly glorious and transcendent above all things, Muslims and Jews, they think this actually this idea that a human being can come down, that he can become a human being, and then it be inside of all our frailty. That that is so offensive, it's actually something more like blasphemous. That's actually the reaction. And what I want to help you try to, is try to get a little feel for this. Um, as a younger man, I, you know, I grew up inside the church. And I you know, believed in Jesus, you know, I want to, I, I, I care about the Bible. And then I went through a whole period when I wrestled with whether this is true or not. <laughs> and then I had to kind of rediscover all the main doctrines again. And when I really thought through this doctrine of the incarnation in my early 20s, I said, this is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> the more I, th I thought about this, kind of more with a skeptical mind. Not with like the five-year-old kid who grew up in a devout Christian household, but more like you know an educated Western skeptical intellectual that I, I was you know growing to be as a young man. And so, let's just get right into it. This is verse one. So just let's just get clear. This is how the Bible presents it. Verse one of the Gospel of John: In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And then here's this next part. The word was God. That verse absolutely is history changing. That one verse right there. The opening of this book is, is, is completely, it's like a big hole that rips right into history. And the whole world has still been reacting to it. Okay? So the word was God. <laughs> Any Jew would have read that or heard that, and they would have been like, what? <laughs> And if you get into other portions of the New Testament, the Jews become violent. They want to stone Paul. They want to put Christians to death because this is blasphemous. Because <laughs> right here, the word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. And then if it, if it, it wasn't really clear, the word was God, you get to verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let me just say a little something about this. A Jewish man wrote this, and 
The Jews are the last people in the whole world who have ever said this about any human being. <laughs> Just That's like a crazy thing to do. The last ethnicity, the religious worldview, where someone would say this, because there's only one God, only one creator, and you cannot attribute creation to anyone but him. To do so in the Jewish world is to ask for death. So you just will not say this. If you said this, you could get some people seriously angry at you. And if you write this, now the evidence will be you're a blasphemer and you need to die. So here is a Jewish man, you know, the apostle John who followed Jesus, saying the word all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's God. Okay. He's like, okay, we're still talking about Jesus here. Okay, here we go. Let's jump ahead to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The only Son from the Father, the only kind of glory of the Father, the only kind of glory that is of God. Again, this is absolutely revolutionary. And yeah, you, you would have had some people really angry at you. Just, just talking within the Jewish community. And here's, the, here's the, 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 the verse again, which makes it really clear who we're talking about. The Word became flesh. So the word flesh is, you know, carnal. You, know, you, you, you get this, uh, um, you, know, uh, you know, a carnal in, in the carnate, um, man, incarnate is the word, into the flesh. And so carnal means of the, of like, of the flesh, of the meat. But it doesn't mean that the word only came into the, the meatness, into the skin. It means he took on the full humanity. He who is almighty God, omnipotent, omniscient, eternal, utterly dependent on no one else, above all time, and nothing is like beyond him, he goes into history and freely limits himself to take on body, to take on bodily mind, to be limited by history. That's outrageous. Like, that seems actually impossible and crazy. And that's the teaching. And so even to this day, the, the average Muslim, they just cannot accept this teaching. You want to know where, like Muslims believe in one God. Their doctrine of God, omnipotent, omniscient, like the, the, there isn't really a disagreement there with Christians. There isn't really a disagreement there with Jews. But where is the disagreement? Right here. Verse 14. The word who was God became incarnate of the flesh. Now I want to, I want to help you think about this a little bit, okay? There's God. There's this person. He looks just like me or you, okay? And, and uh, he just seems like a normal person. And somehow this person is Almighty God. And I want you to think about this Almighty God in the man Jesus. And some of the implications of this, I never thought about this until my early 20s. In my, until my early 20s, I basically realized that I functionally thought of Jesus only as God 
And then somehow he kind of had like the skin that made him look like a human being, but basically he was like a super-duper man. <laughs> That's how I thought about him. But I never really thought about the humanity and what it is that God chose when the Son of God would become fully human, fully incarnate. So, so hear about this. You ever thought about this? There are times that Jesus had bad breath. How about that? <laughs> Jesus had to brush his teeth and got cavities. Jesus had dandruff. Body odor. <laughs> Body odor. How do you like that? I don't think they had, like, you know, the stuff that you do this back then. Jesus wakes up in the morning. I don't know what it's like for you. I got to go pee. <laughs> Jesus wakes up in the morning. He has to go pee. And then he got to go out to the outhouse and take a dump. Because, you know, they didn't have running water back then, so they had this thing, a little shed in the back where the hole goes in the ground. And, you know, the stuff comes out. Jesus! God Almighty is out in the outhouse in the morning, every morning, if he's regular. Right? And takes a dump. And God Almighty has to deal with the indignity of wiping his rear end. Have you ever thought about that? God said, I'll choose that. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus got tired. He could catch a cold, and he probably did. He could have gas. <laughs> Jesus farted. <laughs> and he said, oh, good, that, that felt good. <laughs> I don't know if he got embarrassed that it smelled. He probably was like, hey, how do you like that? <laughs> probably turned to his brother and said, hey, <laughs> I invented this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he like goes, if he said that, you know, he's an eight-year-old, hey, enjoy, I invented this. Right? He could get a fever, which meant then somebody had to take care of him. Somebody had to wake up in the middle of the night when he was weak and give him some soup and nurse him. So God allowed himself to be weak and dependent on other people. <laughs> he's dependent on somebody else when he's sick. That's real. <laughs> How about another one? This is incredible to me. I never thought about this until my 30s, actually. <laughs> I'm a Christian for most of my life. It doesn't occur to me till my 30s, Jesus learned. I don't really un entirely understand this. Nobody does. He's omniscient. Omniscient means omni, all-knowing. <laughs> so in his divinity, somehow he's all-knowing. But there's no humanity that's all-knowing. There's regular places in the Bible where Jesus clearly surprised <laughs> So he didn't know that was going to happen. 
So Jesus had to learn the Bible. Jesus had to learn a craft, a job, a skill, just like you and me. His dad said, his dad was a carpenter. Joseph was a carpenter. He said, son, do this. Here, you take this piece of wood and you, boom. And he goes, ah! <laughs> and so Jesus' hands got calloused. Jesus' hands probably bled. Jesus' hands were probably wounded when he made mistakes learning to be a carpenter. How do you like that? Let's pick some other ones. Jesus depended on someone else to receive love. He needed Joseph to be his dad. He needed Mary to be his mom and love him. How about one that you never thought about? I bet you haven't thought about this. Now, you know this. Let's go to this verse. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. So let's just do this. You always wish people knew you and understood you, but a lot of people, nobody understands him. So in his humanity, he wishes people knows him, but nobody knows him. That's got to hurt. It's got to be really hard. It's hard when you're a teenager and nobody gets you. So imagine 12 or 13-year-old Jesus and nobody gets you. It goes like this, verse 11. He came to his own. That means his own people, his own family, his own neighborhood. The Jews we're talking about here, too. His own people, his own ethnicity. And his own people did not receive him. So we know that when Jesus turned to his ministry, the, the Jewish leaders, they rejected him. They plotted to put him on trial and falsely accused him, and they murdered him in the most horrible possible way. In cahoots with the Romans, he was rejected and murdered through crucifixion. We know that. So you all know that that's true. He was rejected as a man in his full-grown ministry. But think about this, okay? When you're a... When Mary and Joseph were engaged, engaged, that's the way the, it's put in Matthew chapter 1. Mary and Joseph, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. That means they're engaged. And then Joseph found out, oops, pregnant. <laughs> and he got a dream from an angel saying, that baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to marry her and name that child Jesus. So, he found out while they were engaged. Do you think he's the only person that knew she was pregnant while he's engaged? You know, those people back then, they can do math too. They can be like, okay, I can count how many months. And, yo, your fiancé was pregnant before you got married, man. That's what Joseph got. 
This is a, a very socially conservative, very traditional honor-shame culture. And you do not sleep around on your fiancé. And that's exactly what everybody would have thought. So Jesus is born. They, by the way, end up coming back to their hometown area. And everybody's like, oh, it's Jesus. That's that kid. It's that kid. Whose kid is he? And so they, Joseph, hey, whose kid is that, man? And, and what's he going to say? Well, um, <laughs> uh, born of a virgin, <laughs> sort of like, you know, anointed one, that person. That, that's who that kid is. And the rumors would spread around the whole town. So do you think it was easy to be that kid in school, in the neighborhood? I'm pretty sure Jesus, as a child, was mocked, rejected, ostracized. Jesus knows this is Almighty God. <laughs> this is His will. Let's choose that. Let's choose that. That's what we're talking about with the incarnation, with Christmas. Now, I want to say one more thing before I go to part two of my message. When you feel alone, and think that you're on your own. Nobody understands you. Nobody knows you. Nobody gets you. No one cares about you. No one empathizes with your fears, your sorrows, your hurts. And everybody rejects you and maybe kicks you out. Nobody gets you, right? You want know to tell you? You're wrong. God Almighty, in the name of Jesus, he gets you. He knows you. He doesn't know you because he's up here, I'm God, and I just know everything. No, not that kind of knows it. He felt it. He had experienced it. Every frailty, every hurt, every weakness, yet somehow, without sin, Jesus, the human man, what the theologians call the God-man, <laughs> the God-man, the God-human, he gets it. He gets you. He knows what you're going through. Would you please receive that? Would you please believe that? Let's go to part two. Here's a part that's probably you haven't thought about either. The incarnation is forever, forever. So in my early 20s, I'm reading a book by C.S. Lewis. You know, you probably know him as the guy who wrote Narnia. I'm not reading the Narnia books. I'm reading some of his more like, difficult theological writings. And in my early 20s, I'm reading this thing, and I, 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 you know, I can't remember exactly what essay it was. And he basically says something like this. Some people think that 
the Son of God becoming a human being was some kind of 30-year stint. And then he went to go, he was God, then he went to history, then he did this 30-year thing being human, and then he went back to being God. He said, this is wrong. That is not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. And when I read that, I was like, what? <laughs> I think I was about 23. And I read that and I said, wait, wait a second, I'm Christian. <laughs> I grew up in the church. I've been taught the Bible. Uh, that's what I think. <laughs> so you're telling me for 23 years of my life, I have wrong doctrine? My view of Jesus is wrong? And you know, this is the, the room started to spin. <laughs> and I was going like, what, what the heck? I thought I was a Christian. And my whole understanding of Christian, Christianity is like spinning out of control at this moment. I started thinking about this. So you mean Jesus is God, but he's still man, and that means he's still man. And you know, when, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, of course that's true. I know that Jesus still has his wounds. I know that Jesus still has a body. When I think about Jesus, I still think of the man God, the God man. And when I go to heaven, I'm going to meet the man but somehow, I always still have this attitude that he's just God up there. And, you know, the man part became irrelevant. And I started to realize he still has a body. He's still human. And he's never going to stop being human. Never, ever, ever. You hear that? That's how important it is to be human. You don't just get to be human, and then you're like, okay, let's live my life, and I hope I get to be rich, and I'll get to be popular, and I'll get to be comfortable, and get to drive a Tesla, and some good-looking person will like me, etc., etc. okay? You get to be human in a divine way, just like Jesus, forever and ever. Jesus doesn't go, okay, like, okay, let's just take this humanity part off. That's kind of annoying. He said, I'm going to carry and be human forever and ever. <laughs> God did not choose condescension, which means to go lower, to be human, and then said, I'm done with that. It's not like he went, oh, let's go live in the slum, and then, all right, that's enough of living in the slum. Back to the mansion. If being human was like a slum, he decided that was going to be forever. There's a song, it's one of my favorite songs. It's actually an old hymn, and someone found the lyrics to this old hymn and then, and then thankfully wrote much better music, okay? And occasionally in our church, we will sing it, okay? The, the song is called Before the Throne of God Above, and in this song, it teaches this doctrine. It goes like this. Before the throne of God above. All right, let's not sing it anymore. I knew I was going to be bad, so I just did that so you can laugh, all right? <laughs> I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. And listen, whoever lives and pleads for me. If he's not the high priest, if he's not human, he cannot be your priest. Only someone who completely understands your weakness can be the priest who intercedes for you, who utterly knows your hurts. 
only if Jesus is fully human still can he still plead for you and be your priest. That's what it's like before the throne of God above. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thanks depart. It's a kind of metaphor. My name is graven on his hands. But it's not a metaphor because he actually has hands. <laughs> and you know what happened to those hands? Nails pierced into his wrists. And then blood came forward to wash you. <laughs> so those hands have your name. And so those literal hands represent that you belong up there. Those human hands are in heaven. And as long as those human hands on the body of the man who stands in heaven, nobody can ever tell you you're out of here. <laughs> Not even you. <laughs> okay? If you ever get to the place you're like, maybe I'm not a Christian anymore because I just did too many bad things. I blaspheme Jesus. You know, you, I don't know why, why people are like this, but we are like this. We're such a broken, messed up people. I meet a person who loves Jesus when he's 14 or 25 or 35. Then he meets, you know, like, like the hottest girl he ever wished he wanted and then decides to go sleep around. Nowadays, it might be the hottest guy and leaves his wife. I actually know of a pastor that left his female wife to meet his ideal gay lover and then renounced Christianity. <laughs> I think he probably is still a Christian. Everything I know of him and heard of him, I think as long as Jesus stands in heaven, no tongue can bend him thence depart. Isn't that incredible? The God-man, whoever lives and pleads for you. This is a quote out of Hebrews chapter 4. Let me give you the verse. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He absolutely can sympathize with your weaknesses. But one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So here is the money part of it. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you in trouble? Are you hurting? You can always go to Jesus. <laughs> he knows what it's like to be a hurting person. He knows what it's like to be a weak, frail human being. And he's still human for you. 
And so let me just say this one more time. It's in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews are Jews. <laughs> so if some people, oh, well, it's in, in the Gospel of John, you know, Almighty God becoming a human being, it's not, it's just, just you know, a one-off place in the Bible. No, it's not. And there it is. This most outrageous teaching the Jews to this day still don't receive. This is like the stumbling block. Why today even Jews will not receive Christ, even though he's Jewish. <laughs> he's their Messiah. He's their Messiah before he's our Messiah. So somehow if you're listening to this message, either on YouTube or live stream, and you're Jewish, I beg you, I beg you, would you please consider he's your God? And he came for you. Let me close this message. No higher vision and destiny of humanity. Let me take you to verse 16. This is what it says, and every time I read this, I always kind of want to laugh, okay? From his fullness, this is Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 16. From his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. You know why I'm laughing? This is like the greatest understatement of all time. <laughs> From his fullness. You know what that means? God became, of course, God is God. But his fullness means the God-man's fullness. We're talking about the human fullness of Jesus. God said, I'm going to be human and then there'll be a fullness of the Son of God, the man, Jesus. And here, let me point something else to you. The fullness is not just how strong he is, how smart he is, how good he is. The fullness is how weak he is. How he can be hurt. How he can be vulnerable. How he can be rejected how he can and was frail, just like you and me. That's part of the fullness, too. And it's from that fullness you and I get grace, and then grace, and then more grace forever and ever. That's what Christmas is about. Now, I want to I just close this way. No other religion or worldview has a higher vision of what it means to be human than in the gospel, the gospel of Christ from the Bible, okay? There's a, I think there's a, 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 a version, a vision of a God in the Hebrew, panth I mean, in the, in the Hindu pantheon, a guy named Krishna, and it kind of sounds like he, you know, there's a, some God and he became a human being and he even seemed to like want to pay for sins. But you know what? It's not the same. Because <laughs> then afterwards, he stopped. And he has a very different doctrine of God than our doctrine of God. Omnipotent, omniscient. It's not that doctrine. And of course, and then other than that, and then the Jews and the Muslims, they, they, they don't accept this. There's nothing like this of what it means to be human 
anywhere else, nowhere else in all of history. It's an absolutely like singular, unique, completely outrageous, insane teaching. It's completely weird and outrageous, and yet every single Christmas we, we, we do this and this, and then the songs come out, and like we hear this completely outrageous teaching that everybody else in the world thinks, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. If you're a person who thinks this is the dumbest thing you ever heard, I actually am sympathetic to you. I realized when I was a young man and started wrapping my mind around this, there's only two ways to go with Christianity. Genuine, gospel-based, biblical Christianity. Either this is the most outrageous and most unbelievable thing that's true, and you bow down and give your life to Jesus. <laughs> or, that's the dumbest thing I ever said. We should spit on it and throw it away. And Christians are the most pathetically stupid people ever. But there isn't some weak thing in between. Christians are nice. Glad you're into that thing. No, no. That's, that's, not, that doesn't, that's not really a, a sensible place. The view of the human being is like this. There are these animals, they seem like animals, but they're not animals. They just seem like thinking people, because you know, that's what the secular religious worldview says. We're just kind of thinking, talking, reasoning, lusting, conniving animals that somehow weirdly need a meaning for life. Which of course, in the evolutionary doctrine, of our religion, of the secular religion, there's no explanation for that. There's utterly zero zip zilch explanation for why these people die if you take away their meaning of life. Ants don't die, go, ant, we're just we're gonna like destroy your worldview. And then the ants want to kill themselves. And they drink themselves to death. But everywhere in the world you do that for human beings, they will die. <laughs> because we're we're not dark like that. The secular religious story is actually really dark. It has a really low and sad view of human beings. The best you get is if you're strong and if you're smart and if you're lucky, you'll have a good life and then you die. <laughs> so you kind of had a nice life, but your life was mostly pointless. It's kind of a sad and dark and honestly kind of pathetic religious story. That's our culture. But Christianity says this, you might be sick, you might have a disease that doesn't let you talk, you might be poor, you might have a skin color that everybody else hates, you might have no education, you might be physically disfigured, people might consider you ugly or dumb or worthless. But God Almighty said, from my fullness, I embrace all that. I made you human. I made you human so that you could be forever gloriously divine. That's your destiny. The destiny of the human being is not to live this nice little life for 80 years or 100 years on this little planet. The destiny of the human is that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth where human beings 
will be joined to the divine and be utterly glorious just like the God-man forever and ever. And then every nation, every skin color, every height, every weight, every shape, every IQ, you name it, they've been washed in the blood of the high priest and their humanity made so much richer and more beautiful than you could unspeakably ever imagine. You know, um, the poorest human being who's taken on the humanity of Jesus in heaven will be infinitely richer than the richest king, emperor, billionaire this planet ever will have. You have Elon Musk or some mighty emperor who has had every riches and every woman and every feast and everybody adores him and bows down to him, that guy is nothing compared to the poorest person who's taken on the humanity that Jesus has given him for eternity. That's Christmas. This is the gospel. So brothers and sisters, this is what we believe. It's absolutely bonkers. It's bonkers good. <laughs> Would you please receive it? Let's enjoy Christmas. Let's give this gift of the incarnation of the good news of Jesus to our friends. And if you're hurting, if you're weak, and if you're afraid, it will pass. Cling and run to Jesus who understands everything. I'll always be there for you. Let's pray. How could this be true? God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, our Lord, who is God, who became high priest, who was hungry and rejected, and got sick and put himself in harm's way to be hurt in his body to be profoundly wounded and hurt in his heart that you would choose this fullness for us Son of God Lord Savior and that you still choose it you're never going to give up to humanity, and so we are united to you. Everything that is human can never be ever truly worthless because you have made being human infinitely worthy forever and ever. Help us to see that in our weakness. Help us to look at other people and know that you made them to be glorious. You made them to be infinitely beautiful forever no matter how weak and hurting and poor they may be today. And then we know this is your gift of Christmas. <laughs> this is Christmas. How could this be true? And yet it is. And so if there's anybody here today who doesn't believe this, 
Would you give them mercy that they may come to believe this? If there's any of us who do believe this, help us to believe it more and see life, all of the world, through this unbelievable truth of the gift of incarnation, the gift of God, the eternal life for all human beings, exalted to be higher even than angels, Lord, the poorest person, the most weak, poor, illiterate person who knows Jesus will be higher than angels. We help us to live in that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.